1: yes indeed how about hour number two on a friday got one more day of june make it count Make it worth it or just stay inside and try not to die because it's a 100-and-something degrees today. We are closing in on football season. 64 days till the first Texas game against Rice and the other big games of September 2nd. I've also been focused on that. Dion goes to Fort Worth. I kind of like that one. Colorado TCU. We'll see what uh, that one looks like. First game of the NFL is 69 days away. Nice. And the NFL's first Sunday happens 72 days from right now, so you know football never dies for us. We'll get into a flex segment coming up here in uh, in a second. We good to good to roll. We will get to uh, our conversation with Rod Babers coming up real quick. Before we do that, you may have heard that ESPN is laying off multiple on-air folks today. I haven't seen a full list yet, but this one does hit me close to home because I feel like I have watched her entire run, her entire career and ascension, and she's one of my favorites. Susie Culber is one of the guys, uh, one of the ones that got fired today, and she tweets, I, Today I joined the many hardworking colleagues who have been laid off. Heartbreaking, but 27 years at ESPN was a good run. So grateful for a 38-year career. Longevity for a woman in this business is something I'm especially proud of. Next step, a project that gives back. Wow. I know Susie Colbert is going to go on to do continually do amazing things because that is what she's done. Um, Yeah, absolutely one of my favorites. Sorry to hear about that, but uh, I am sure Susie Colbert is going to land on her feet in some way. So that story is out there today in terms of uh, the broadcasting side of things. All right, uh, speaking of broadcasting, after we get done with this, we get you to Ball, Don't Lie every day with Rod and Harge and Patrick. Harge finishing up a week of vacation this week, so it'll be Rod and Patrick. Patrick again. Patrick was on with us yesterday, and right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, it is the one and only Rod Babers. He's at Rod Babers on Twitter if you want to give him a follow and definitely check out Ball Don't Lie today. Rod, how are you? I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you so much for the time. I know you got a lot of talking to do today, so the fact that you're willing to do a little extra with me is good. is uh, is nice of you. I appreciate it. Uh, I always love to get your thoughts on you know Texas football as the season's getting closer. Let me start with kind of the politics of it all, because unfortunately a lot of it's politics now. But as we get ready for this Texas law to take effect tomorrow on July 1st, what would you discuss, if anything? with CDC about how to proceed? Would you tell him to, you know, kind of do what Ross Bjork says he's going to do, which is lean on that state law, not worry about the NCAA specifically, and just plow forward? Or would you say something different?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to know what their lawyers, their legal team, is telling them. I, I, I can't think of a lawyer on the planet that would advise their client to abide by a rule over a law. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, most of them would say, hey, the law trumps any rule uh, of a, an organization, especially like the NCAA, which is, you know, on their way to, in my opinion, becoming more and more irrelevant. Uh, so, I can't, I mean, I think it's it, essentially you're looking at uh, a reckoning at one point. It's probably going to end up in the courts. Um, but um, this is the NCAA essentially Uh, a a passive aggressive way of the ncaa telling texas and a lot of these other other states who have their own nio laws uh telling them that if you don't want to follow our rules then you need to separate emancipate yourself from the ncaa um now this is only a suggestion from the ncaa because we have to for the ncaa on their part it'll be whether they want to enforce any of their rules right so if texas decides uh, like Roth New York said, we're going to follow the law over the rule. What is the NCAA going to do? Right now they're flashlight cops. All right? right now they don't really have an enforcement ability for these NIO rules that they are trying to uh, right now to push on and uh, trying to make a reality. And I don't think that the state of Texas is going to let the NCAA bully them. Of any of the states, it won't be Texas. Uh, in my opinion, that is going to uh, end up wavering here.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. That's an interesting comment about the flashlight. There was a comedian back in the day that did a bit about making fun of security guards, saying they just shine the flashlight and say, where are you going? Okay, where are you going? Okay, where are you going? Okay, that's sort of the NCAA right now, right? They may flash the light in your face, but they're not doing anything.
0: Exactly, and I think, you know, where is the incentive for someone to abide by the rules over the new laws? Um, and I think I think A and M is probably the most uh, brazen right now with what what, what Ross New York said and saying, no, we're gonna follow the law. Uh, that's gonna be what our guiding point is. CDC was a little bit more discreet and a little bit uh, less, you know. I think brazen when he sent out the memo to Longhorn fans that hey, you should consult your. Uh, Your tax people, you should consult your lawyers and all of your uh, different, you know, uh, resources. You should use those uh, in this whole discussion and discourse right now between the NIL about what the NCAA wants to do and what ultimately the institutions within the state are going to do. Um, So so right now it's going to be, I think, Texas that is right now going to be one of the big, uh, you know, kind of, States that determine what's going to happen between the NCAA and the, you know, the NIL uh, states, because I think this is the point, this is ground zero, if you will.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And to go a little deeper here, I know you love all the layers of this thing sometime. This hit me the other day. So in discussing the Washington DC element of it, You know, the thought has been maybe that the Nick Sabans of the world, they want Washington, D.C. to wake up and do something. They want them to to, to get it done. But, Rod, how about this theory? That in the halls in Washington, D.C., the guys representing Bama, Georgia, let's say Clemson's interested in that, too. They're going to have conversations with the guys that represent Texas. And are those Texas politicians going to say, now, why in the world would I do that? Why in the world would I agree to have a big old thing that would take that t- takes precedent over all this and takes power away from my from the schools in my state when we have a law ready to roll that gives them the power
0: I agree the only thing that could trump the state's laws right now would be federal legislation which is not going to happen anytime soon or if there is truly a an, a separation of the the top schools the top generating the top you know revenue generating schools in the power five and they decide to form their own you know conference or their own organization and association and then they decide hey the ncaa no longer has governance over us we will write our own rules and we'll govern ourselves and then that could also be something that trumps. The state laws, or at least for the state, at least the state would allow the institutions to abide by that rather than abide by NCAA rule. That's also something that's going to take years, a decade plus for something like that to formulate. So right now, there is nothing, in my opinion, for the foreseeable future that will trump state laws. So there is no reason for Texas right now, the state that is probably the leading state in generating NIO. Revenue, fundraising, and compensation between Texas and Texas A&M. Open Doors says Texas is leading all of the, uh, the, the programs they study. They study all the programs around the country, track millions of different transactions and thousands of different collectives and directives. And they say Texas is the number one school in the country for NIL compensation. And that's why right. this is starting to be ground zero because the new state law is also going to make it even more advantageous for Texas and Texanium. Now, as you know, they can, you know, they can uh, induce essentially the boosters. They can uh, give them perks and favors now, uh, points, uh, so that they their donations uh, through the Texas One Fund, for example, or the 12th Man Foundation. Uh, they also can end up getting perks through that. And that will give them more benefits and more incentives to give to NIL. And also, Texas new law has kind of an an immunity statute, and it basically gives every institution in the the state immunity from NCAA enforcement or NCAA penalties Mm -hmm. for breaking NCAA rules and not the state rules. So the NCAA right now will have no leg to stand on come July 1st in this state unless something happens or unless... Texas or Texas a and decide, no, no, we don't want to, we, we don't want this reckoning to happen. So we'll we'll get along, we'll go along to get along. T- uh, but I don't think they're going along to get along. I think right now they're going to force the NCAA to come to their institution with some letter or whatever they're going to do and force the flashlight cop to enforce their own rules. Because right now it doesn't seem like the NCAA is even willing to force, enforce their own rules. They won't even do it with the transfer report. They yes. may decide sooner or later that they want to have a backbone about the transfer portal because they're getting called out by a lot of people. But right now, they can't even do that because they're afraid of litigation. They're afraid to go to court. Because even the Supreme Court has told them, we don't like you. We don't think you are a an honest uh, organization. We think you've been exploiting a student athlete for a long time. You're a borderline criminal syndicate. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially, that they would violate a lot of antitrust laws. Their business model violates antitrust laws. So, if people bring the the courts any NCAA, uh, you know, at lawsuit of any kind, usually they're going to side. Uh, against the NCAA
1: in that case. Yep. Talking with Rod Babers here on the horn. Jack, you got something for Rod?
2: Yeah, hey, Rod, what's up? I was just wondering with these, if if the NCAA is really just leaving it up to state laws, I feel like that creates a future where certain states are way, way better off in the college football or college sports landscape um, in recruiting. Is there a world where some state laws like, effectively kill recruiting in entire states? Um, if they don't
0: evolve their laws to keep up with uh, the most progressive ones around the country, NIO-wise, yeah, we fall so far behind the times. I mean, there are, there are laws in states like, um, I believe it's in Missouri, that allow uh, students, uh, student-athletes prospects to sign before they even get on campus to start collecting NIO revenue. Um, you know, so every state wants to find another loophole and uh, to, to make it advantageous for the schools, the institutions in their state to get a leg up in recruiting via the NIL world. And we know NIL and the portal are inextricably linked. All right, they go hand in hand. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, for Texas right now, Texas probably has one of the more, if you want to look at it kind of uh, – Disrespectful <laughs> NIL uh, laws out there that's going to take effect July 1st in regard to NCAA rules and in the NCAA uh, governance because it really disregards NCAA go- governance altogether. And more and more of the rules, sorry, more and more of the laws, NIL laws around the country are going to become more and more brazen and they're going to be a, a, a lot more, in my opinion, I think there'll be a lot more. Disrespectful and disregardful of the NCAA's rules about NIL, and they're going to become more and more irrelevant. And maybe that's what they want, because ultimately, then the NCAA will have to evolve into something else because they they'll have no power over the big time schools. Now, this think about it. this: is this is not for everyone, right? These this advantages we're talking about are for the Texas of the world and the Texas A&M's of the world. But the truth is, this type of stuff hurts a lot of institutions in the state too. If you can't keep up with the Joneses, you're in trouble. And yeah. uh, that may be the case for Texas states of the world. Right? That may be the case for, you know, some uh, North Texas of the world that can't keep up. Um, this is a separate this is a separation of the have and the have not and it is happening. Whether they like it or not, it is—it is happening, and you got to figure out where you stand in the new landscape of college sports, where the free market has taken hold.
1: All I know is, if Nick Saban's having new nightmares right now, they all have burnt orange, maroon and fight on in them and some miami too uh he probably has all kinds of nightmares that involve all of those schools uh and what they can do right now uh we're talking with rod babers you're gonna hear him on ball don't lie of course coming up you hear him every week on the longhorn blitz podcast as well all right rod i know you are into a thought experiment from time to time and one just came to me as i'm sitting here for texas football in 2023 are you ready Give it to me. Okay, you are in charge of setting up this offense in 2023 and you are forced to run the exact same personnel package, not pl- not people, you're you have to run the same formation, 11 personnel, personnel package, 11 personnel, 21 personnel, whatever. You have to run that same personnel package through the entire Rice game. And the entire Alabama game. So, Nick Saban will see it on film, and you will have to run it every play in Tuscaloosa. What is the format? Wow. What's the setup you use? Wow. Uh, with this team, right? This specific team? This team coming Keep up it. 2023, one personnel grouping for every play of the first two games.
0: Mm. That is good. Um, you well, know, right now, it's easily. Gonna be 11 personnel, um, with this group. Last year, it, it would have easily been 21 personnel with me. You know, I love the 21 two backs, one tight end. Yep. Uh, that would have been B. Young, Rojo, uh, J.T. Sanders, and then you'd have your x man Jay Whip, whoever you wanted wide out. Because I, I my, you know, my personal package or per- preference, I should say, on personnel package will be based on the talent that I have. Texas this year is loaded at wide receiver. Noted at wide. one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in the country outside of Ohio State. I mean, it is really deep. And you got, you probably go four or five deep at wide starting wide receiver with X man Jay Whip, A.B. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor. Uh, and then we forget about some of the young guys, John Cook coming in. Um, and so, and I, you know, I do think they'll go 11 personnel, to try to get more speed on the field. You can't take J.T. Sanders off the field ever, all right, because that's the second-best tight end in the country right now uh, that's draftable, I should say, behind Brock Bowers, who is the best tight end in the country. So he doesn't come off the field either because he's an elite weapon for you. Uh, so, yeah, it's a nearly 11 personnel. I know that's an easy kind of boring answer, but you want your wide receiver on the field. But the key is for Sark. You're gonna blitz the defense with so much skill talent offensively that they're not gonna have enough defenders who can line up and play with those play and play with those guys one on one. you don't want J T Sanders man to man against any of your defenders really, because that's an advantage for Texas unless it's your corner or your best you know the coverage defender which is usually not going to be inside on a tight end uh X man will demand a double team as well uh so you're talking about X man and JT Sanders both in the field demanding a double team that having gravity and you're going to leave J J wit either one on one AB Mitchell is going to be one on one so you talk about picking your poison with this defense, uh, with any defense that goes up against uh, the Texas offense. It will be 11 personnel for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's probably – it's definitely the most versatile answer, and I agree it's the answer that gets you where this team's strengths are going to be. Um and you know I love that that tight end position, too, and not only the position, the way Sanders plays it. If they scheme him upright, that is truly dangerous. And then as you just laid out, Rod, these receivers, I'm specifically thinking of a defense. i, I got to deal with Sanders and all the routes he could be running, and I'm dealing with Whittington and everything he can do. Forget everybody else on the field for a second. Those two guys on the field at the same time, you put one on one side of the field, one on the other, you're you're forcing the. De- I mean, you've been out there, Rod. You've broken the huddles, and you know if you see that cat on the inside at the tight end position one way, and say the other's in the slot on the other side, your defense has to do a lot of pre snap thinking.
0: Uh, I totally agree, and I was actually going to get into this on the show today, um, but I was doing doing some research about you know the pre snap shifts and motions. Uh, basically, JT Sanders. Shifts in motions more than any of the tight end in the country. Mm. <laughs> and before the snap, they move him around a ton. If you'll notice, it's, a t- it's, it's, it's I would probably say the rate is easily when he's in a game, he's moving more than 50% of the time or shifting right. or motioning. Um, and that's, a, that's good because you'll watch in the NFL, Andy Reid does it a lot with Travis Kelsey. Yep. He's trying to hide him i just trying to find ways to hide them and move them around and shift, and that'll change responsibilities uh, within the the defense. So I totally agree. If J.T. Sanders one-on-one with a linebacker or a safety, that's a win for Texas. And I'm, i love I love because because Witt has a power element to the passing game, right? It's like yeah. you give him that little wide receiver screen, and he 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 becomes a running back instantaneously. Um, and he did that a ton. He did it versus TCU, one of the best defenses in the country. He can do that versus damn near anybody. Um, and I wanted to see him do that a little bit more. That's why I love that element. And then you're talking about, and this is something that we didn't talk about a ton, but, you know, you've got 80 minutes. you got some great wide receivers. But Stark also likes Savion Red. They've been using him a little bit, too. Listen, you go 11 personnel, put Savion Red out there, <laughs> all right? Think about yep. what you can do. You can get real funky, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you can motion him in the backfield and go from 11 to 21 personnel just like that, real quick. All right, him in in the backfield. Or you can start out in 21 personnel with Savion Red in the backfield and another running back in the backfield and shift him out and go 21 to 11. All right, you could do some real freaky stuff with a Mm -hmm. guy like that, changing up your personnel literally during the actual snap itself. Uh, And I think that you might be in store for some of that stuff, too. He's got – J.P. Sanders allows you to do that, too. You can move him around. You can put him in the backfield and also – Take, you know, what is he, 11 personnel essentially, and make it 20 personnel because he becomes an H back shifting in the backfield, which they've also done. Did that last year, too. And essentially, you have a three wide receiver back, and you got him in the backfield, and then he gets matched up on a linebacker because responsibilities are linebackers, they cover the running backs in the backfield, and technically, he would be a running back. Oh, you can get real crazy, man. I think Suck may do that this year, too.
1: Uh Uh-huh. That's fascinating stuff. Uh, Check out Rod, of course, on Ball Don't Lie this afternoon. And if you haven't checked out the Longhorn Blitz podcast, that kind of football breakdown, oh, it's even deeper than that with Rod and Matt and Jeff. Each and every week, uh, it is Wednesdays and Thursdays. We bring it to you. You can get it uh, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 moving forward as we're into the summer scheduling. Rod, always appreciate the time, man. I'll see you here in a little while, and uh, we'll be listening as always. All right, thank you, brother. I'll see you in a second. Rod Babers, good football stuff there, uh, breaking down Texas. I kind of figured he'd end up at 11 personnel there, and it does make sense with this group. Rod just laid it out for you. That's exciting stuff. If you're a Texas fan and you're into the football X's and O's of it, that's what it's about. The discussions that you can have, the pressure you can put on a defense with certain personnel groups, the groupings, the motion. I'm with Rod on the pre-snap motion. I've been saying it ever since Sark got here. The discussion we've had on this show is it's that old thing about, you say, well, that offensive coordinator, he just gets too cute. To me, it's the opposite for Sark, just like it was with Greg Davis. It's not that they get too cute. It's that they stop being cute. They get too predictable, and they're not cute enough. My thing for Sark would be, no, 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 no. You need to bludgeon them with your cute. Your cute can kick their ass. That's what you need to keep thinking. That's what it is. Keep showing them that. That little motion thing there, where you showed them something fancy, and then you just pounded it right up, do that. Then next time, do something else. Then next time, work something else off of it. Don't let it slow down and stagger into something that, that turns predictable. Keep it at that level. That's what I think this offense needs to do. We'll see how it looks in 2023. How about 64 days from now, Texas fans, Texas and Rice. And, of course, you'll hear all the games right here. Up next in your Flex 30 segment, which Flex athlete is going to make the big decision on Sunday? And what big decision out of Copper's Cove is getting made today that the SEC and the Big Ten both care about? We'll tell you on the Horn. Through a Friday, a little bit of a not sure what I would call this kind of a pop rock vibe, though a little rough, though got a good edge to it. What era are we talking about? This uh, album came out 2016. 2016, I almost
2: zero percent chance that you get this one, but this was one of my favorite bands uh, in high school.
1: All right, there are oh, let's see, there are a couple bands in my head right now. I'm gonna say Arctic Monkeys.
2: Love Arctic Monkeys. I would similar vibe, but this is the band
1: Fiddler. F I D L A R. No, it wasn't coming off of that. Yeah. So was it? That wasn't the dumbest guess ever. No, that's a good guess. Okay. I'm an Arctic Monkeys fan for sure. The other thing in my head was Arcade Fire when you played it. I don't know if that would fit as well. The anthemic kind of yeah yeah yeah. It's interesting. That's yeah that that that's a good word too. Anthemic. I think that's something that runs through a lot of styles of music. Uh, and just has that vibe to. I could hear this being just an incredible live track. Like the right crowd, the right moment, that place is going to come apart on a song um, yeah. like that.
2: The, like going to clubs, like you know Mohawk, yeah, stuff down on Red River, absolutely. Like, that intimate show. That's the that's the best way to see a concert. That's that's a life
1: changing experience, no doubt. Fiddlar, The Strokes, and flock of seagulls have been a part of the show. By the way, our guy Jeff Howe. Uh, texted me earlier that, uh, I don't know if he just heard it or if he'd already heard it, but he says that the unplugged version of Take On Me by AHA is way better than the original for him. It's beautiful. I know exactly what you're talking about. It is
2: a... The pipes on that dude.
1: Oh, he's incredible. And he's always been like that video, it was that wonderfully animated drawn video. The two things that stood out to you right away. If you thought to yourself, wait a minute, if that's the guy making the sound, A, he was incredibly like handsome, attractive. You could tell why the audience would be drawn to him. And then you're like, man, listen to that note. And then all those years later in 2017, that and he didn't go after the biggest one in the song because they made it such a mellow tune. But he still was able to get there. And the other thing, if you go watch it, the crowd's reaction is magical. They're all sitting there. And I'm, I'm, uh, I am believe AHA was Swedish. Yeah. Is that right? S- some Scandinavian country. So I don't know if this was in Sweden or if they were just in, in Europe, what part they were in. But those people were just... Just completely magnetized by the whole thing. It was incredible. All right, so uh, a lot of good music on the show today, and you know we'll talk a little music here and there. Isaiah continues his honeymoon for the person that texted earlier. By this time, it's very possible that Isaiah is not a virgin anymore. That is well played. It is his honeymoon after all. in Cancun. All right, uh, let's get you a flex segment. There's some big decisions to be made. One of them might have already been made. Let's find out. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex Thirty is brought to you by brain vault brain vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion visit BrainVault.com and join the movement all right you know those moments when you realize that like you and a really really famous person might be caring about the same thing right at that moment like on social media you might see like a retweet from some big famous actor and you go oh my god look they care or You know, my wife one time liked or mentioned something, sent something out musically, and then like the bass player from Quiet Riot retweeted it, and she and I lost our minds like, oh my god, Rudy Sarzo retweeted your tweet, that's awesome. Okay, so today, here's my image. Today, I care about a commitment from an athlete, and I'm looking it up just like I imagine Nick Saban is. That's the feeling I have. Oh, and Jim Harbaugh. He really cares about this one, too. Oh, wait. So does Kirby Smart. All of us are interested in what Michael Uini is going to do. This is the big dog, five-star, offensive lineman out of Copper's Cove. So all these coaches are trying to figure out what he's going to be doing. By the way, Michael, if you're out there, shout out for the Planet of the Apes picture on your Twitter account. Awesome. He's at Mike Uini one the number one, if you want to check him out. Unfortunately, if you are a Texas fan, like Jack is, and many of you are, if you're an A&M fan like me, unfortunately, the House Divided is not a part of this one at this point. We were a part of, like, the list of 11, I think. But once he trimmed it all down, he's only got three pictures out there. It says, I will be committing on June 30th, tune in and he's got a picture of him in three sets of gear, and it's Bama, Georgia, and Michigan. Also, there are those that think it might be lean in Michigan because one of his other recent retweets is a proud of you little bro because his younger brother, who I believe is Marquise Uini, also at Cove, I'm assuming, has he threw out an announcement that he got an offer from Michigan. So folks are wondering, well, maybe could that mean the brothers are thinking about going to Michigan together? So uh, as of right now, I have not seen an official decision. We will let you know when we hear something there. The other big decision that I referenced will come up on Sunday, and we wish nothing but the best to Peyton Morgan. Peyton's been on the Wednesday Night Flex show. He is a D.B., out of Weiss, he's one of those Weiss wolves. And on Sunday at two o'clock, if you care, you can go check him out on socials, uh, and of course at flex atx flx atx on social media, they'll be retweeting things uh, for him. And actually, just so I can get Mister, uh, so we get Mister Morgan some love here. He is at cpmorgan03. If you want to follow Peyton Morgan on Twitter, he's got his list down to five. On Sunday, he will choose between SMU, Nebraska, Texas Tech, TCU, and Arizona. So as we break that down a little bit, you got Texas Tech, who just got a local product uh, recently with Will Hammond, the quarterback from Hutto. He's got both sides of the skillet rivalry, SMU-TCU, Nebraska, and Arizona. Now remember why TCU might be interesting there. His teammate, Adrian Wilson... Out of Weiss, the big receiver we've been talking about. Adrian just committed to TCU. Could they be buddies? Could they be close? Could it matter? Maybe it means nothing, but just something to keep in mind. Sunday at 2 is when Peyton Morgan will decide. Speaking of Will Hammond, the talented quarterback out of Hutto, congrats to you, sir, because your arm talent and your overall talent have now gotten you another star. Not on the Walk of Fame. Not on my rankings, which would mean nothing. No, no. The 24-7 sports people now think Will Hammond is a four-star quarterback. Congrats to him. If you don't know, I just mentioned it, but he is a verbal commitment to Texas Tech. I don't know. At this moment, I'm assuming that is about as firm as it could be, but he still does have a senior season to go. Jack, you know how that works. Sometimes those offers change a little bit. Mary Flipmas. Yeah, it can happen. Just ask the folks in Waco about a man named Novoside. They'll punch you in the face, so run as you say it. But things can change right towards the end. Will Hammond, congrats for that fourth star. A couple other names to mention. Nico Hamilton. You hear our man Mike Harge call him Kenfolk. He had a visit to Columbia. He's got some big-time Ivy League, uh, some of those big-time educational schools on that list. Whoo. The Columbia, that would be a hell uh, of a degree to go after. Nico Hamilton, the talented running back out of Lake Travis, has a Columbia visit uh, on uh, on his schedule right now. And the last name to mention, actually a couple more, that are headed to Air Force. So we'll give them not only a congrats, but a thank you for your service. Caden Romo is an offensive and defensive lineman out of Wimberley. He has committed to Air Force, and so has Westlake's Jake Helms, the talented long snapper that we've told you about. Jake was our long snapper. If I'm not mistaken, he was the first all-flex long snapper uh, on our team last year, and he has committed to Air Force. So, again, to those two young men, thank you or congratulations, but also thank you for your service uh, as they will be headed to the Air Force Academy. And remember, coming up in July, we're going to have that all flex watch list. If there are people out there, if there are players out there we need to know about on the football side, let us know. And just like I said, we break it all the way down to special teams guys, kickers, punters, long snappers, you know, return specialists, as well as D-linemen and linebackers and receivers. If there's somebody out there, that you are connected to in some way and you feel like, man, they need to know about this dude. Did y'all know that the left guard at so-and-so had 20 pancakes last year and I don't hear people talking about him. And he's in the weight room and he's lifting trucks, not weights. They bring trucks in. They like back the trucks in. dude, dude, And then he lifts the trucks for an hour and then goes home. If that's happening, and you, especially if you have the video of him lifting the trucks, that's awesome. Send them to Flex at flx. ATX, on the social media. I admit, I get a little too excited watching weightlifting videos. I did not think I would, but when these high schools send out these summer workout videos and these dudes are on the squat rack and there's like plate after plate after plate out there and they're all screaming and yelling for him to get the weight and then he gets the weight, that's awesome. I love that stuff. Love it. Uh, Flex segment every day at 130. There's a lot of stuff on the board today. We did start with NBA Free Agency. And right now, uh, it seems like James Harden is kind of the, the, the only story out there um, in terms of massive names. Jack, you follow, I know, the NBA pretty closely. Other than the uh, James Harden thing, anything else out there for you that's kind of blinking at you that you're watching, looking for? Is this Damian Lillard thing? Do you think it's a part of what we're about to see? I think it's got to be. I'm not sure if Damian Lillard
2: has played his last na- uh, game in Portland, it would not surprise me. I hear he was not too happy that they uh, didn't trade that pick. They went with the youth movement and Scoot Henderson. And by the way, if Scoot Henderson falls to you at three, you're not going to trade that pick. Yeah. He's going to be a fantastic point guard in this league. He's so like a, Dame- he's like a Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So I think Dame, it might be in his best interest even to, uh, to ask out because Portland has a lot of promising young players and they all happen to be guards. Hmm. So I think uh, right now, before Dame he's got a lot of tread in his tires who does tend to i mean they've shut him down the past few years i think that's more of a tanking move than a real injury move but they have shut him down the last few years he's into his getting into the mid 30s kind of range he was a four year college guy he came into the league in 2012 the same draft with like Brad Beal and Anthony Davis but he was a four year college guy hmm. so he's a lot older than those dudes but with Damian Lillard i i know he always says he he, he says it all the time that he wants to stay in Portland and build in Portland. Yep. But I just, I, if they're not, there's no avenue, there's no move to me that
1: makes them a contender this year. So I think if I'm Portland, I, uh, I move on. So yesterday, while I was talking with Patrick Davis about the Spurs and how he was glowing about Victor Wimbanyama and all uh, that stuff, I've been trying to figure out, well, who do you put with Victor Wimbenyama? Somebody, I maybe mean, probably was a Spurs fan, they texted in, hey, what about the Damian Lillard idea? What about Wembenyama and Lillard? Because that's the type of player I keep thinking of as who could you put with Wembenyama that could really start the momentum where Spurs fans want it to go. I, For me, I wouldn't want to
2: accelerate the timeline on Wembenyama like that because he's 19. You, you need to give him a little bit of room to burn. This is not a Tim Duncan scenario where David Robinson was hurt and aging, and they lucked into the number one pick, and immediately became a contender. Now, a big part of that right. was the excellence and the True. dominance of the greatest power forward to ever play the game, Tim Duncan.
1: And Duncan had had a full maturation in college yes, by that he, point.
2: He's, he was a couple years
1: in college, kind of a guy. Twenty twenty one, yes. 20, yeah, right. But
2: with with Dame, he's if Dame was 28, 27, absolutely take a swing. If you feel that good about Wimbanyama, the picks that you're trading are going to be late first-rounders. They're not going to be that valuable. But for now, I would look for a like a disgruntled young star somewhere. Who knows where that is? I don't think... they. they funny enough, somebody like DeJounte Murray in a, in a weird situation like Atlanta, but I know that he was just traded to the Atlanta Hawks from the San Antonio Spurs. So I would love for the Spurs to be very active early in free agency, kind of plugging the gaps that they have on that roster. I'm not super moved by many of the prospects that they have. I okay. like Devin Vassell, but I think he is more of a you know, third guy, maybe just a role player type of player. I think he's good, but the Spurs don't have a ton of high-end talent, so I think that they
1: could be Chasers and free agency, and I know they have a, a bevy of draft picks moving forward. Technically, starting at five o'clock today is when you could start hearing about official deals going down. So free agency begins at five. So if you're into, you remember some of the stories back in the day of different players, whether it's Kawhi Leonard or others, the the whining and dining period can really begin at five o'clock. So you may hear stories of guys traveling around, visiting the teams. Another guy I wanted to ask you about, Jack, you being a Longhorn fan as well. I saw the name Mobamba pop up today. The Lakers ended up up waiving multiple players including Mo Bamba he would have made 10.3 million next year so he won't get that do you think he ends up somewhere else in a free agent move or I'm also reading the Lakers want to stay in touch with him in case they can re-sign at a lower number what do you think about Mo
2: Mo, I feel like he's had a relatively disappointing career. A lot of that has been he just hasn't been able to stay on the court. He missed the last couple months of that Lakers season. I like him going back in L.A. I think they can get him for cheaper than $10 million. I frankly don't think the Mo Bamba market is going to be any better. I don't think a team would even offer him a $10 million annual value contract. So I like him going back to L.A., some front court depth. Anthony Davis isn't going to play the whole season. Uh, I How like dare Bamba. you even think hey. something like that, much less say it out loud. Come on. Anthony Day to Davis?
1: <laughs> Anthony Day to
2: Davis. I, I like Mobamba back wow. in the... And also, I just... I like to brag on my Longhorns as being an underrated NBA factory. There's a ton of Longhorns bouncing around the league. Corey Joseph is still in the NBA. Is that right? Yeah,
1: he's on the Pistons. What's that? Corey he's got the, a ring with the Spurs. Yeah, I
2: think he was on that 14 team. Yeah, he's on
1: that jewelry. He's on the jewelry group. There are a lot that Longhorns with
2: jewelry. It's not just Kevin Durant. Jackson but, Hayes also expected to be on the move. Oh, from, uh, there New you Orleans
1: go, former top ten pick. There you just, go. Just for what it's worth, man. I I, I keep rooting for. I, I pull for a guy like Mo Bamba. The, the personality, of the kid was so cool. And I know he's been able to give teams a little bit. I just hope he can find a place to to where it makes sense to him. And it, I guess you know, if nothing else comes up, it would be cool for him to maybe try to help you know LeBron and and Davis to try to get back to another. Yeah, I mean, one. He'll have a contract. Some team
2: will 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 sign him. He's not headed overseas or anything. Right. I don't think. I just don't. I don't know where that is. I don't know if it's on a contender yeah. or if he's going to look for more PT, sign a short deal, and try to get a paycheck later
1: on. There's a lot of things that could happen. That's, yeah. It's going to be a big day. It's going to be a fun. It always is. No, it's always wild. Hopefully Mo doesn't get lost on like a bad non-playoff team. That's what I'm hoping. Hopefully he gets, you know, on a team that'll matter like the Lakers. Maybe not, you know, Lakers not necessarily going to be a, you know, your pick for a championship next year, but they're a team that's going to be in the mix for hopefully the playoffs. uh, And then uh, we'll see if Mo can be a part of that. So keep your eyes peeled for Mo. Five o'clock today is free agency. And when it begins, James Harden, the biggest name right now everybody's looking for. He opts in with Philadelphia, but the idea. Is that now the Sixers can look at a trade so they get something? from James Harden and moving him and thought is maybe it's the Clippers maybe it's the Knicks he apparently at one point wanted to go to Houston but looks like maybe that is not going to happen but you never know so all that's out there in the NBA coming up at 205 back to the Longhorn discussion Jeff Ketchum OrangeBloods.com we'll talk about the week that was in recruiting what does he think of the running backs and offensive linemen that Sark and uh, for that matter Tashard Choice are stacking up and Kirk Flood Uh, Kirk Flood (laughs) and then Coach Coach Flood are stacking up right now. Um, We'll get to all of that. Up next, where are we at in society? We'll see what Jack wants to talk about today on The Horn. learn a little bit about jack musically today jack farrell joining me today i'm chad hastings isaiah collier continuing his honeymoon he'll be back on wednesday no show monday or tuesday thanks to the bosses for the day off on monday and tuesday that's very very cool all right some good rock today from jack now jack at first this sounded like a much more of a modern track but then the voice sounds like prince to me it is prince okay how far back are we going on this one? This is
2: Sign of the Times, which oh, I wow. think is later 80s? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. This is the song. This is the song Sign of the Times.
2: No, this is the album Sign of the Times. Album. This is the song is I could never Gotcha. Place, I could never take. There, a place
1: there. we go. Okay. It's, it's up there. It's one of my favorite Prince tracks for sure. That's good. That, that's a the biggest compliment I can give Prince on that one is 5 seconds into that song, you could have convinced me it was released Five years ago. I mean, that song is very fresh for being 1987.
2: That's up there in concerts. I'm, heartbroken i will never get to experience
1: yeah i'm with you there i never saw prince live uh one of the great entertainers of all time one of the great guitar players that some people don't know about Underrated. of all time uh he has you know he blew crowds away with the guitar playing in, in many many situations i never I never saw prince live either um and it was so sad when he died prince fiddler the strokes and flock of seagulls grab yourself some prince this weekend that'd be a good idea by the way speaking of music how about this? I uh, always love to see this. The uh, One of our listeners says, uh, one of our listeners tells us, hey, go check out my daughter's band. And I, it's spelled D I E and Spitz. So I'm assuming that's either Die Spitz or it's German and it's D Spitz, one of the two, at Mohawk on July 4th. Show starts at 3, and they're headlining. And I asked, okay, parent, proud parent, I'm assuming a dad, I don't know. Are you going to be in the pit? And they texted back, of course. <laughs> Very cool. Congrats to you. Going checking out the Daughters Band at, uh, at Mohawk. And uh, we were just talking about small venue. That's a good small venue to go check stuff out at uh, Mohawk. I've been to a couple things. I think what I saw at Mohawk, though, was comedy. I don't know if I've seen a music show there. I've seen a comedy show there, but I've never seen a band there, I don't think, at Mohawk. Uh, A lot of good stuff going on, obviously, around town, uh, musically. Somebody texted us, oh my god, my first concert was Prince on the Purple Rain Tour. Freaking unbelievable. Well done. You got
2: a good first concert, Chad?
1: Mine's not bad. Mine is Tina Turner on the Private Dancer Tour. Hey, Tina Turner. I mean, it's the night I fell in love with Tina Turner officially. We were kind of in love before I walked in there. I'm in like fourth grade at this point. And uh, it was, it's still one of the best shows I've ever seen. So to get to see her and, and have it be the first concert, that is a good one. But I think Prince on the Purple Rain Tour might trump that one. That's pretty good. And, and a great album, too. That is good. What was your first concert?
2: I got a good one over yeah. at the Frank Irwin Center. Not a great album, but I saw Bruce Springsteen. Oh, good was lord. my first concert. And I my claim... On that is Clarence was still with us at the time. Excellent. Clarence Clemens, the saxophone player. Sure. And, I don't know why, but apparently they didn't play this song all that often, but they played Jungle Land. And that's a big deal? And that's the one with like the two and a half minute, just Uh. like tear your soul out sax solo.
1: His clearance was ripping.
2: I was like nine years old, being like, this is the greatest moment of my entire
1: life. All right. I love the fact that you're enough of a music snob. You said the album that he was touring wasn't that great. What's the album he was touring?
2: It was the same one he did at the Super Bowl. It was the Working on a Dream album, which, I, you know, I mean, he's like in his 60s at that point. You're not... (laughs) You're not there for
1: the new stuff. Oh, I love how music fans can get silly. And Springsteen fans can get silly talking about that, dude. Uh, shout out to Bruce. That is a great first concert. All right. Um, we got Jeff Ketchum coming up from OrangeBloods.com. We'll talk recruiting from the week, plus some of those politics of sports uh, with the NCAA and this law that's going to give Texas, Texas A&M, and anybody that wants it, a little more power in the state to raise money tomorrow for certain things like NI. Uh, we'll get into all that. Right now, though, let's go where are we at in society, see what Jack wants to talk about.
0: Where are we at in society today?
1: All right, Jack Farrell, we've already discussed your Astros taking on my Rangers big series in Arlington this weekend. What do you want to talk about today? I want to bridge
2: some gaps on this NBA free agency thing. Okay. I want to get your thoughts in just a moment on what your Mavs are going to do, what you think the, uh, the needs are. But first, I want to shout out our guy Sham Sharania. For, uh, mm-hmm. for two new rule changes in the NBA this year, Oh. there is now an in-game penalty for flops resulting in a technical foul free throw, and oh, good Lord. a second challenge is awarded to a coach if they win their first challenge, which I am very happy about. That should have been a rule uh, just
1: to start. One of these days, they're going to get it. One of these days... The flopping. One of these days... Uh, first, yeah, before I get to that, let's start with that. On its face... It kind of sounds like a good idea, but hard to enforce. Yeah, but right, flopping really. That you've you're asking these NBA officials to throw all that intent in their head and try to figure out what the player is doing, and then the old school idea of just you know getting there and getting your position and taking a charge. Now I'm going to get. I mean, a really good taking of a charge is a flop. Can we all agree with that? NCAA just got rid of, the, or they just changed the passing
2: crash rule going into this season as well. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, I just think that's going to cause more trouble than it helps. Another NCAA thing. Did you see that buried in the deep rule changes that they put out over the offseason, the number restrictions for college athletes, you know, how they could only wear one through five? Right. Yeah. You, you told me about this earlier, but you didn't go into the detail. What is this now? It's going away. Back in high school, college, the old school days of basketball. You could only wear numbers 1 through 5, you know. 1 through 5 or 0 through 5, 10 through 15, right. 20 through 25. You couldn't wear six, seven, eight.
1: Right. That's so going away. It's so that the officials could signal That's fouls what I always
2: understood.
1: to the scores table.
2: Yes. Cause but it, in the NBA then like Bill Russell who played in the 60s, he was number 6. Right. So they didn't have it in the NBA, but in amateur basketball it was always that way, and they announced that they are getting rid of this. And Bronny James has already announced he's going to wear number six at USC. Is that right? Yeah. So see, to me, it was always talk.
1: Yeah, it was always easy. You can do a single number as long as the official can, in two hands, he or she can tell you who the player is. So if you're six, you just give me a five and a one. I got six for a foul. The issue would be if they let if you let the numbers above five go. If you let six through nine happen, that's where you get in trouble. How do I tell the scores table number ninety-seven committed a foul?
2: I've never understood it either. Why in the NBA can the officials signal to the bench just fine, but in the, in, in the amateur ranks, not so
1: much? Yeah, maybe they give the little cards with numbers on it. Maybe that's that's how it could work. I didn't realize that no, that rule had changed. Now back to the NBA thing. In addition to so you said the flopping, and what was the second one again? the coach's challenge if you win yes, your challenge okay. you
2: get another one
1: when are all the other sports going to realize like i've been telling them for years that tennis has perfected this thing and they all need to follow tennis in tennis you get as many correct challenges as you need and you get a certain number of incorrect challenges why can't they all just do that stop connecting it to timeouts in football, I think that's insane. I'm the only person that does. I'm the only human being I've ever met that thinks that that doesn't make sense. Everybody else thinks it's logical. Stop connecting at the timeouts. Stop giving, well, it's one time. You, you get one. Well, what if there are two bad calls? No, oh, you just get one. What if it's a playoff game and we're, no, oh, you get one. That's dumb. At le- I'm glad they're at least expanding the idea. But that's what they need to focus on. Give them a certain number of incorrect challenges. But if you screw up officials eight different times in one game and one coach wants to tell you eight times, hey, I think you missed it, and you missed it eight times, guess what? He gets to do it eight times. To me, everybody else says, Well, Chad, they'll take advantage of it. Well, we'll get calls right. We'll get calls right. But that's just me. So this year, an addition so you're saying make it or make make or miss, whether it gets taken away or not, every coach now will get two per game in the NBA.
2: You're going to hate this. Is that right? No. No. Only if you get it right.
1: Oh, God. If you get the yeah, first one right, you get the second one. Yes. That's what football did for a while. They thought that was such a cute idea. You should
2: just get to keep going, and you should be able to ride that hot hand.
1: And then they'll say, the Eagles. If the <laughs> officials keep getting it wrong, then the... they should keep overturning it. The Eagles now have another challenge. So stupid. I always go back to the same moment in a Super Bowl where there was a fumble on us in the Super Bowl. Uh, Bucks raiders Fumble on a kick return from Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman Junior.'s dad, the guy who's in the league now. Uh, he fumbles the ball, and they cover the Raiders covered. It. it would have been a huge momentum shift. They go back and look. He was down, knee was down, and it was there. And I can't remember what the. I can't remember what the rule was at the time. I think it was one where I think they were in the challenge era, maybe, and Gruden got to challenge that one. But I always thought back on that, like, well, what if you didn't have the challenge? Or what if they hadn't looked at it, or whatever it was? So you're telling me late in a Super Bowl, because I challenged, I've used up my challenges, or because you don't have a timeout. Again, the two don't have anything to do with each other. If you screw up the call, we should be able to fix it. So hopefully they can get a little closer to that. But, yeah, we'll see how that works in the NBA. I think that flop thing causes way more trouble, though. That's going to be a troublesome call in the NBA. We're already on to flopping, and they're trying to figure it out, and now you're telling me they're going to legitimately call. I can't wait to see. Please send me a video. Get us videos, NBA. Draymond Green is going to have a
2: stroke. Oh, he's going to get right? called for one of these, and
1: he's going to lose his mind. Please send an uptight member of your staff, NBA, to all 30 teams during the workouts in when do they start training camp? October. Send it to all the teams. Please video it as you go through. Show up with a video with all your little cut-ups, and then make sure we get a good taping of it from like at the back of the room and give me the unedited raw footage of those players cussing and swearing and throwing things at the NBA nerd.
2: I was hoping we would get it, get that in the bubble,
1: just full swears on TV. Uh, never came true. Yeah, that's weird. The official flopping call. Had a way to get fans to watch your sport. You're already losing fans here and there, NBA, and now you're going to probably lose a whole lot more. Two o'clock hour coming up. We'll tell you why June 30th and July 1st matter a little bit. We got a couple of goat candidates with birthdays today in the world of sports and two different, two very different disciplines. We'll get to that up next. Though, let's talk some Longhorn stuff with Jeff Ketchum of OrangeBloods.com. The politics and the recruiting, which sometimes go together. We'll talk about it on the Horn.